Well, welcome back to The Bill Bennett Show. This is the podcast that translates Donald Trump. Take an honest look at the current administration. We talk about the existential threats to America, some from abroad, some from within. We also, on this podcast, will celebrate and be positive about the things for which we are thankful. Yes. We right? Our family. Right. Our friends. Mm-hmm. Our country. Right. Our faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is our special Thanksgiving edition. And I'm grateful for our guests. Joining me today is Carl Cannon. He's the Washington Bureau Chief for Real Clear Politics. He had an interesting commentary about President Trump and race that caught my eye. We'll discuss that today. Race is one of those issues which people use to try to divide this country up, a real threat to the unity of this country uh, when people trade in, in race and exacerbate racial differences. Carl Cannon watched the Presidential Medal of Freedom ceremony, as did I, and has some interesting commentary. Finally, our good friend Seth Leibson. You remember him, Claude? Yes. He's host of the Seth Leibson Show. Uh, He will join us and we'll take a look at the presidency of Donald Trump as we draw closer to the two-year mark. I think Seth wants to talk about this Kosogi thing, too. Okay. Uh, This murder of this guy in, Mm -hmm. uh, in, uh, in Turkey. Okay, let's talk about Thanksgiving. Yes. Now, for years, you have had a certain practice in your family. Right. About Thanksgiving, which we have called on the old radio show we used to do, Claude Jennings and the Beltway Thanksgiving. Correct. There's also a Beltway Christmas, Beltway, <laughs> other, other holidays. Is it a Beltway? Are you sitting at home, you and your wife and your son, and having Thanksgiving dinner, or is it another Beltway Christmas? Uh, it's, an, it's another Beltway Thanksgiving. Okay. It, it, I'm it, sorry. It, no, well, it's the only way to do it. Um, Tell me how this works, exactly. So we get up in the morning. Uh, Load a bunch of bunch of empty plates in the car exactly well that's the second so the, the first thing we do we get up in the morning so that uh, we so have a, thanksgiving morning yes record cold temperatures coming oh absolutely okay. yeah yeah so the first thing we do we we, we try to do this um there's a there's an event we do every year with my uh, grandmother's foundation where she feeds homeless people and nice. veterans and any family who need, needs anything nice. right off uh, third nice. street and rhode island avenue in northwest dc so nice. we do that first and by we i mean i do that sierra's prepping things and getting stuff together. So She's then, at home. Right. And little Manny's at home. Uh, yes. Yeah, Sometimes, one year leave. he comes with okay. me. Yeah. He'll, he'll probably come with me this She'll year. She'll be up early. Yeah, I'll be up early. So then we get back, I'll get back home uh, and um, we then go to my mother-in-law's I like house. that expression. We do that, which means I do that. Right. <laughs> right. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I like that. And so, it's going to sound familiar to a lot of our listeners. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Like, we are making Thanksgiving dinner here, which yeah. means... Mrs. Bennett's been correct. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so go ahead. we then uh, will go to my mother-in-law's house or uh, uh, one of her sister's homes or something like that, and we'll do Thanksgiving with them. Then we will go to either my mother's house uh, or my sister's house, or they will already be at our home where we would host Thanksgiving uh, dinner. So then my sister will get in while we're gone. She'll start all the stuff she needs to do. Uh, then after that, we'll go to my aunt's on my dad's side uh, for Thanksgiving dinner, and then we'll wrap it up at another aunt's house. The thing that the audience is puzzled about right now is you mm-hmm. said, we'll do Thanksgiving dinner here, we'll do Thanksgiving dinner there, we'll do Thanksgiving dinner. Right. What does that mean? Well, everybody gets two and a half hours, approximately. Okay. And- <laughs> I don't care about the time. I'm thinking about the plates. Oh, yeah. No. Well, so what you do, you go and you eat. And then you uh, usually at well, most of these places, they'll have these little styrofoam carry out uh-huh. things. And so you, we go, we eat, 
we pack up and we go to the next place. We put the food in the refrigerator of the next host's home so that it doesn't spoil in the car. Uh, we eat there. We put more in a little styrofoam plate. Then we'll go to the next place and we'll pack and eat. And so, yeah, we oh, have at least so four So you meals. are eating fresh at the first place. Yes. Eating fresh at second Correct. place. Correct. Eating fresh at the third place. Correct. But at each stop, you're loading up styrofoam. Yes. Now, so, so we, we're talking... A lot of food here. Yeah. Now, I, I eat fresh at each place. Sierra tends to, you know, decrease the amount that she puts on the plate with each home that we visit. And by the time we get to the last place, it's mostly dessert for her. But I'll eat a plate everywhere. I don't want to be rude. You can't be rude. People, you know, put a, lot, got of, a lot of work. Yeah. Oh yeah, a lot of work, a lot of planning, a lot of love. And so and you can't turn them down. No, you can't no, say no. we're not coming. Right. And, and you know me, I'll turn down offers. For food you will and, turn down offers for food. I know that, but not on Thanksgiving. <laughs> no, not from the family. No, no, you can't. Well, that's how many miles will you log? Oh, uh, well, wow. Probably close to 60 or so. 60. Miles. But we do it around. I mean, so this beltway, yeah. you know, you go exit 22, you exit 17, exit five. <laughs> so weird. And then back up, you go exit 19. And then <laughs> over the river and through the that's woods, a, the grandmother's house. I just go. found out that that's actually a Thanksgiving song. I didn't know of that. Of course it is. I didn't know it. I never, I never oh, got to the, on. I never got to the second verse where they actually say Thanksgiving because it's yeah. not, it's not the most enjoyable song to no, listen to. No, it's a terrible song. <laughs> Do you remember when we did the radio show, how we talked about the uh, waterboarding waiting room, how they would play horrible music? <laughs> That would be a song that you would That's play. right. Waterboarding, waterboarding waiting room. Yeah. Terrible. Well, that's your Thanksgiving. Well, mine sounds pretty staid. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, got, it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess I'm going to reveal some family inside stuff here. Okay. We're going to have eight. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Mrs. Bennett and I, mm-hmm. and of course her 10 rules will be in evidence. Right. You can talk politics, but you cannot punctuate your points with the silverware. Mm-hmm. Right? No <laughs> waving of forks to make a point about Trump. Right. Or know. knives. Or knives. Mm-hmm. Tell the hostess how great the meal was. You know, no raising of voice. You know, have the blessing. Right. But it'll be Mrs. Bennett and I, okay. our two sons. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Two sons, girlfriends. Oh, this is a big one. Yeah. Okay. And... One son's girlfriend's parents. Whoa! Yeah, it's a big step. This is uh, yeah. We we. I don't want to say any more than that. Right, right, right. I right, want right. to jinx it. Don't want to mess it up. Yep. But Mrs. Bennett is thinking it's time for somebody <laughs> to get married, and she wants the grandchildren. You know, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, she's yeah, yeah. But anyway, we're looking forward to it. That's going to be it. Today, uh, well, t- I'm happy to tell you guys, this is Wednesday. They know right. we do this. Yeah, yeah, we take time. the That's podcast, fine. right. And she is making the practice turkey today. I had a question about that. So when yeah. is the practice turkey consumed? Is it consumed the day before? It's hard to say. Okay. It's up to Mrs. Bennett. Uh, I'll tell you why. The practice turkey is there to make sure every oven's working, things are regular, and mm-hmm. to make extra gravy. Okay. Okay. Right. You can't get enough gravy with one turkey, even if it's 25 pounds, because mm-hmm. this is a gravy family. I put right. gravy on everything. I put gravy on my gravy. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then uh, it's for tasting. But Mrs. Bennett doesn't. I'm, I'm ready once I smell the turkey today to start <laughs> eating turkey. And I don't know why, given your example, why, right. I, you know, I would just have two meals. <laughs> You're having four. But she'll probably make that turkey today, mm-hmm. take that gravy, taste it, make sure oven and everything is synchronized, and then she'll hide that turkey in the, in the basement refrigerator. Oh, really? I think 
Okay. But she also gives a lot of it away okay. to people. There could be other people at our table because Mrs. Bennett runs into people who don't have any place to go and she invites them. We don't know who they are. <laughs> but they come and, you know, Fun nonetheless. she talks. To them. Remember, this is a, a woman who talks to a wrong number longer than I talk to right. you on the phone. <laughs> you know, anyway, very friendly person. Very friendly person. You know, but by the way, Mrs. Bennett. It's one of her favorite holidays. Well, she has a lovely singing voice. And Beautiful. there's this thing Beautiful with singers woman. where they say, you don't want to, you know, waste all the good stuff in rehearsal. So does she cook this turkey different than the? Because you don't want the best one to be the practice one. But you gotta have a, n- enough of a test run to right. know whether it okay. works. So it's going to be a pretty good sized bird. Mm-hmm. There was some debate. I don't know how it was resolved about organic versus butterball. Oh. And uh, without knowing a you thing, I'm, I'm assuming you weren't on the side of the organic. Well, I, I, I didn't know, don't know anything about it. But when I heard the two <laughs> words, I immediately said butterball. Right. You would think of me as a butterball guy, right? Right. Yeah. What are you getting, organic or butterball? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't cook. I'd show up. When you see. have your fork in position in one of these houses, will you say, this is, is this organic or butterball? No, you won't. No. Impolite. So that's that. Okay. And uh, we would love to hear uh, if people want to write us interesting things about their Thanksgiving. Sure. How's your Thanksgiving? We'll read go? them next yeah. week. How'd Absolutely. it go? How'd Absolutely. It go? Yeah. yeah. Bill Bennett podcast at gmail.com. So you right. send us Let me do a, a serious matter here. Uh, I was on Fox uh, the other night uh, talking about the Kosogi thing, the murder, mm-hmm. the gruesome murder of this guy and all the uh, criticism of the president on this. Let me just say this. Um, you know, it was a gruesome murder for sure. The guy was tortured and murdered. I'll leave out the question of, you know, his disagreements with the with the Saudi government. This is a pretty horrible way to operate. This is not, you know, the rule of law. Um, we understand that this country does a lot of this stuff. This was the same country that produced the number of 9-11 terrorists. Right. This is the same country that, as the story is accurate, and I believe it is, wouldn't let those girls leave the burning building because they didn't have headdresses on. They didn't have right, their, their, right. So there's a lot of ugly stuff going there. Goes on there. Nevertheless, they are a key ally of ours in the Middle East. They're a customer of ours, as the president has, has stressed. But they're a key ally of us against Iran, which does not just kill individual people. It kills lots of people. In fact, it's killed a lot of Americans in Iraq and uh, elsewhere, the bombings, the earlier bombings. Um, and uh, Iran is a sworn enemy of the United States. Uh, and Saudi Arabia is an ally with us. Now, people are saying, you know, we should do more. Well, he's 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 put serious sanctions uh, on uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, 16 or 17 people are not uh, are not welcome to come to the United States. Uh, and um, we have said that they should be dealt with appropriately in Saudi Arabia punished. But, you know, what what is it people are recommending that we sever relations with Saudi Arabia? That'd be crazy. We have much worse allies than Saudi Arabia. Uh, Pakistan is one. Uh, we certainly had, you know, uh, worse allies in World War II uh, when we allied with Stalin to defeat Hitler. Uh, this is the real world, as uh, Mike Pompeo said. So I, I think you can, at the same time, condemn this gruesome torture and murder as... Uh, a gruesome torture and murder, which should not have happened, should not have been done this way. In any in any case, guy should have had a trial if he was guilty of something. Uh, and say you're, you're going to maintain relations, although you indicate this is not the way to become a respected country, a civilized country, a country of real standing and respect in the world. This is not the way you gain respect. And I think that um, 
that's the answer. But people said to me, oh, you're at the book of virtues, values. Sure. Uh, and all these things must be taken into account. There's a life and there's lives. Let me say this too. And I don't mean to antagonize the press and do a Donald Trump here. Well, maybe a little bit. This is being treated as a kind of privileged death because he's a journalist. I wish the press were so equally solicitous or half as solicitous of the deaths of soldiers. Uh, the children in Syria, yeah, as they are, remember the press. Yeah. I understand every anthropologist loves his own tribe. Every group loves its own group members. But, um, you know, I mean, terrible, gruesome murder. But these things happen every day, and they happen every day in the Middle East. Um, and it's a shame. And there's a lot that Saudi Arabia has to answer for and can improve on. Nevertheless, uh, it remains an important ally. I was very interested to see James Clapper, who was head of intelligence, uh, the defense intelligence agency in Obama say, you know, unequivocal condemnation of what happened, but you don't want to break relations with Saudi Arabia. And I think any mature grown up person would, would say that. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Bill Bennett Show. Let's welcome Carl Cannon to the show. Carl is the Washington Bureau Chief for Real Clear Politics. Carl, how are you? I'm good, Bill. Good. Happy Thanksgiving or Eve of Thanksgiving to you. You too. You too. It's a, it's a good time of year. Claude and I were talking about our Thanksgivings. We have eight here. Uh, we have our sons and their girlfriends. Uh, Claude is going to go around the Beltway. He goes to his... Claude, you want to put your mic on here? He uh, goes around the Beltway. He goes to his... Sure. I'll be going to my mother-in-law's first. For a Thanksgiving dinner. Sister's and then, house, second. Yeah. Uh, then to my uh, aunt's on my father's side's house, yeah, uh, and then wrapping up with dessert at my mom's house. Yeah, this is over the river and through the beltway to grandmother's house we go. And uh, <laughs> uh, do you do anything like that or? Well, I'm gonna actually. I have a tradition. I'm gonna go to the racetrack on, on Thanksgiving morning. <laughs> they give, it, you find the greatest people there. You know, Jamaican immigrants and and down and outers and people who just they're, they work hard and their their wife gave them the day off. They're cab drivers and Uber drivers. It's a great group of people and there's real spirit because if you weren't a degenerate gambler, you wouldn't be at the track on that day. And so I go. I love the horses. And they give you free pies if you go, Bill. So I'm going to get a free get a, pie. I get a, yeah, monk, pumpkin, mints, or pecan, and then you take it to whatever you know. You take it to your in-laws, and they look at this thing and say, "What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing?" Uh, and do you, you but, do that uh, in the got, morning? You do that in the morning. I do that, I do that in the morning. It's I, I love the track, though. I love the people there, and it's kind of a personal tradition. I usually go alone. When I was younger, man, I'd take one of my young kids. But today, my on tomorrow on Thanksgiving, my wife is going to Puerto Rico to. We have a new baby, a third granddaughter in our family, and she's going to see the baby, and then I'll go see the other two granddaughters later in the day. But you'll spend the morning at the track, and at the racetrack. All right, I just uh, want to ask our listeners: anybody got anything more original than this? Just uh, this is going to be hard, hard to beat. You don't eat turkey there, though, right? No, I, well, sometimes, but no, I'll just stay by the rail and bet a few races and get my free pie and then head out. I got a friend who used to go to the Greyhound bus station. Um, this was a kind of statement of French existential despair or something. And he'd go to the Greyhound bus station and ask for the turkey special on Thanksgiving Day, which is probably pretty awful. But I think you got him beat. I think, I think the racetrack is, <laughs> and sounds like a more joyful place. So It's good. You wrote a great column. You write a lot of great stuff. Um, I found it very interesting, partly because I watched the ceremony where the president gave out the Presidential Medals of Freedom. And I want to talk about two 
uh, two aspects of that. First was the sports uh, medals. Uh, uh, tell us about that. Tell us what you thought. I, I don't know if you picked up on the Babe Ruth comment the president made about Babe Ruth's father. Yeah, what, yes, what did he, yeah, what did he say about Babe Ruth? He said, he's, he's a bar owner. He said Babe Ruth was a tough, tough guy, and his dad must have been really tough. And, of course, Babe Ruth grew up in an orphanage, as you know. Well, he did have a father, though. He, he, well, sure, he most was, people do. Well, he wasn't an orphan. You know, this is funny. He Trump wasn't an orphan. So, he, no, he, he garbled so many. He was an incorrigible kid, and that's why he was sent to the St. Mary's School where the, the fathers raised him. But he, he had a dad who was a bar owner in Baltimore, and he was just a tough kid. And he, he was, in, in those days, they'd say an incorrigible youth, and they'd put you in this facility, and it was a school. It was meant to straighten him out, and it did because he learned how to play baseball there. And the, 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 the priest could see that he had a future in, in athletics. So, But you know what's funny, though, Bill, because this is classic. First of all, we'll get to these liberal critics who, who, for some reason, couldn't abide President Trump doing a good thing and giving these medals of freedom. But yeah, let's Trump get also to wings yeah, it. He, well, he also wings it. He says, so Babe Ruth was traded for 100 times and a third baseman. Well, there was no third baseman. I mean, he just, I don't know where that came from. Okay. And then he said, most people don't know he was a pitcher. Well, every baseball fan knows Ruth had been a pitcher. But, but look, Trump's part was in the right place. This Medal of Freedom to Babe Ruth is long overdue. Sure. How, sure. Yeah. Okay, let's let's talk about the other uh, medals. Because, you know, I was thinking while he was doing this and then reading the commentary that you reported about Eric Holder's old statement about we need to have an honest conversation about race. I'm not sure people, a lot of people really want an honest conversation about race. They'd rather just snipe about it, particularly going after the president. But t- tell us what he said and then what commentators Well, that's right. Said. And they, they, yeah, they'd rather score partisan points. Um, one of the other athletes, by the way, I didn't think, I don't think even primarily as an athlete, but I did as a kid was Alan Page. You remember sure. Page. He was a defensive lineman for the Purple People Eaters, sure. the Vikings' great team. And after he retired from football, Page, who's African-American, went to law school and, and then became a judge and ended up being the Minnesota Supreme Court. So right. so this, this president who's supposed to be this racist, you know, Babe Ruth was a white player. But Ruth was a white player who, very rare in his day, um, didn't mind playing with black players and competing against black players, and some of the black players at the time were the best. He had black friends. He went to the Cotton Club to hang out. Uh, he went to sure. African American hospitals sure. to see to see young kids. And so, you know, Ruth was more than a white baseball player. He was actually uh, very racially tolerant for his time. Good. But the one that got me, Bill, was the carping against Elvis Presley. I mean, so. You saw this in the Washington Post. Well, this was a big racist dog whistle, right? Yeah. <laughs> right to award to Elvis Presley was a racist dog whistle, right? Yes. Oh, and it's a racist, and it's a racist signal to his racist followers because only a white man could become the king. Well, this is wrong in all of its particulars. You know, um, first of all, um, Elvis he didn't invent rock and roll, but he had a he had a role in it, and he borrowed freely from the music of the Delta where he grew up um, and all these these black musicians he knew their music and played their songs he played a this Chuck great Chuck Berry tune uh, brown eyed handsome man bet. and rested and, and, on and charges of unemployment I was sitting in the witness stand 
Judge's <laughs> wife told the district attorney, you got to free that brown-eyed man. That's right. How am I doing? And, yeah. Well, yeah, that's good. You're uh, singing now, my tune people, when you went and wrote this, I'll tell you. That's my strike people, zone. And, Bill, people younger than us, they remember this phrase from the John Fogarty song, Center Field. Right. Uh, Put me in round in third, headed for home. It's a brown-eyed, handsome man. Who won the game. Anyone can understand the way I feel. Now, Fogarty's from Bay Area, California, as I am. So we, we think Willie Mays is the brown-eyed, handsome man. Although... I think Chuck Berry probably had Jackie Robinson in mind. In any event. Um, Wait a minute. Let me interrupt. I think I got it. Yeah, yeah. Two, three yeah. to count. Nobody on. He hits a high fly into the stands. Round and third. He's a heading for home. Was a brown-eyed, handsome man who won the game. It was a brown-eyed, handsome man. I did not rehearse that's that. The Chuck, that's the Chuck Berry version. Yep. Yeah, from nineteen from the mid nineteen fifties. Yeah. Um, if I I'll tell you, if I knew politics and stuff like I knew this stuff, I would be somebody. I would tell you that. <laughs> you could have been a contender. <laughs> I could have been a contender, right? Go ahead, I'm not to interrupt your train of thought. Yeah, attacking well, well, Elvis just, is crazy. I, well, it is crazy, and and the thing is, is that here's the here's the a form of music invented in America, and any American should be proud of it. It it combines. The blues from Mississippi Delta, yeah. African-American music, Appalachian fiddle music, um, the church music that Elvis sang as a boy, hard rock and roll mm -hmm. developed, even the guitar riffs developed in California, the surf sound, which was also borrowed from Arab, Arab music, the influence of Richie Valens and these early Mexican singers. This is the purely American music that has all these influences. And for someone to just to say, well, it was just invented by blacks or it was just invented by whites. <laughs> They're missing the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. Now, he had also uh, done Jack Johnson, right? Box. Oh, well, you remember this. Now, this didn't happen last week, but right. that was, he he pardoned Jack Johnson, the turn-of-the-century right. heavyweight champion of the world. Now, here's a, here's a, if you want, this would be the great test of Trump derangement syndrome. So, Here's a guy who was railroaded under the Mann Act, Jack Johnson, taking a woman across state lines for immoral purposes. It sounds quaint, but we get it. It was a law aimed mostly at, at pimps um, who were – it was called the white slavery statute back in the day. Nobody would call it that today. But, but Johnson was kind of railroaded under The woman he took across state line was his girlfriend. So for decades, liberals have urged a pardon for this guy. Barack Obama wouldn't do it. But Trump did it. What does that mean? What does that prove? He's a racist. I mean, <laughs> I don't yeah. know if that makes Barack Obama. But yeah. this is the kind of thing. If you if you favored something and you wanted Democrats to do it, and they didn't, but Trump did, and then you still call Trump names, I, I submit there's something wrong with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's good. It's a great point. He, uh, he, no matter what he does, he's they're going to attack him for it. Uh, it's 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 extraordinary. It's extraordinary. How do you think he's doing overall? Well, I I personally, Bill, think that this this Jamal Khashoggi thing, he's really flubbed this, and I I, I I'm just very disappointed. And it's on my mind today. It's what I'm writing about this weekend. And I don't know if he'll recover from it, but if you, because it, it sort of it illustrates how ill prepared he was for the foreign policy aspects of the job. Now, that's my opinion. Uh, on the domestic policy stuff... On the Kasogi, just because I, I, I just did a comment on it. What 
Um, what more should he do? I was reading Jim Clapper's comment. Jim Clapper's not exactly a Trump fan. And he said, you know, uh, uh, unalloyed condemnation, but don't sever any relations with Saudi Arabia. They're too important an ally. Well, I, you know, personally, I don't know if they're too important an ally, but here's the problem. He's probably doing what Obama and Clinton and Bush would have done. But I still, I, I think maybe we should be stronger. I don't think they're such a great ally, personally. But, but he gets sent there, and he, but he reads the strange, strange directions, Bill. I mean, <laughs> he says they're an important ally because they buy our stuff. He makes it, he, he trivializes it. And, and if you think about it, this Jamal Khashoggi, he was part-time columnist for the Washington Post. He was a journalist and mover and shaker in his country. And he was, you know, part of the elites in Saudi Arabia, and they... They thought he'd become an enemy of the people. That's the word they used. But they, they lured this guy to an, a consulate in a NATO country and murder him and then lie about it. And it's really an attack. It's an attack. You know, it was 15 Saudi Arabians. You know, Saudi, they sent a team of 15, and you can't help but think, well, they sent 15 guys here on 9-11. I mean, why are they such a great ally? I think, it, I think you use this as a chance to rethink this relationship and tell this country what we've told other countries like this. Uh, and, and what we should be telling Vladimir Putin, look, you want to be in the family of nations, there's things you can't do. You can't go murder dissidents in well, Western I, capital. I, I, I agree with that. And I, I, I close my commentary by saying you want to be treated like a real grown-up civilized country, you got to act like one. That's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. That's what I think. Anyway. On, on the economy, Trump's done well. No, the, the polls are starting to show it. He, the recent poll, 52% of Americans really credit him on, on the economy. It turned out that these tax cuts and and the cutting the regulations uh, has helped. And you know, this that's not my politics necessarily, but that he predicted this. It came true. People said he was insane, you know. Now they still say he's insane, but they, they forget what they said before about the growth rate. And African American unemployment is is down to historic lows. Um the you know, the stock market's done well until, you know, through most of his presidency. And it seems to me that we've always judged presidents by the economy. And maybe we give him too much credit and too much blame. But it seems that we're changing the, we're changing the test now because this guy's right. passing it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, philosophy, we say post hoc, propter hoc. You know, happens after the fact. It's because of the fact that we've always done this, which is, you know, if it happens on your watch, you get credit or blame, fair or unfair. Right. But they've, it, seems, right. it seems they've changed the rules I, on this one. I once picked a fight with Newt Gingrich, who I, I didn't know that I've grown to like, but at a Sperling breakfast. Remember those things? Sperling breakfast? I did a couple of them, you bet. Yeah, yeah. And, and he was saying that, uh, I, I think he was defending Bush or Bush's father. He said, well, we, he was saying we, we give too much blame to presidents when the economy takes a dip. And I said, well, we'll, I, I said, we'll grant that point if you publicly apologize to Jimmy Carter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because the Republicans just beat the crud out of this guy because everything was bad on his watch and i'll give new credit he laughed when i said that yeah yeah but i've i have you seen it this bad i mean I, i've been here a long time i i've seen you know uh, george bush senior beaten up reagan certainly beaten up amiable dunce and all that dan quayle kind of merciless but i've never seen anything like the beating the unrelenting uh the unrelenting beating that uh, trump's taking from uh, most of the media and the and liberals you know, Bill, it's, it saddens me. As you know, I've been a reporter and editor 40 years, but when you have whole news organizations and some of the most prominent ones in the country kind of sound like they're joining the resistance, you know, that's not our function. And, you know, yes, we have an obligation to point it out when 
when Donald Trump mangles the facts or brags or lies or screws up. That's our job. But it's way beyond that. It's like it's our you know, you read the Washington Post every day. I love that paper. I, or CNN, these outlets where I have friends, but they act like their job is to discredit yeah. the president and undermine his yeah. and undermine his administration. I don't think that's our proper no, role. It's not, it isn't. It isn't. All right, listen, we're going to let you go, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm going to report to you on the emails we get. But I, oh, I, I'm, I'm just stuck on this racetrack thing. This is a this is an original <laughs> thing, and uh, if you can get a selfie of you there with the pie with the track in the back. Oh, oh, I need to to, I'll, send, I'll send that to you, buddy. Uh, we, we would love to see it. We can put it up on the website. It'd be, it'd be great. <laughs> and by the way, great job, Real Clear Politics. I mean, it's uh, it's a great, fabulous site. It's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thank way. you. Happy Thanksgiving, Carl. You too. Bye-bye. Great interview there, right? But one of the things that caught my attention was, you know, how quickly you were able to recite those lyrics to, <laughs> to those songs. I didn't rehearse it. I didn't know he was going to bring up exactly. that song. Well, so folks need to know this. I mean, you listen to the podcast. You may think that this was rehearsed. It was planned. It was staged. No clue. No clue. And you just come up with this. Rested on charges of unemployment. He was, I mean, think of those lyrics. as Chuck Berry lyrics. Arrested, <laughs> arrested on charges of unemployment. Mm-hmm. He was sitting in the witness stand. Judge's wife told the district attorney, you got to free that brown-eyed man. There you go. You want your job? You better free that brown-eyed man. <laughs> Two, three to count, and nobody on. He hits a high fly into the stands. Round and third and headed for home. He was a brown-eyed, handsome man that won the game. was a brown-eyed, handsome. It's Chuck Berry. I mean, Chuck Berry is, to me, one of the kings. I mean, there's Elvis. There's Chuck Berry. There's sure. Holly. Those are my guys. Do we have to compare? Can they, can't they all just be great? Yeah, can, can't they're, they all? It's like, it's like Olympus. <laughs> they're all the right. gods of Olympus. The Mount Rushmore. About. But the originality of the lyrics. And, of course, Elvis copied Chuck Berry. Sure. Yeah. As did the Beatles, mm-hmm. they confessed. But uh, thank you. Caught your ear, huh? Oh, no. I, yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things about the radio days. I mean, Johnny be good. Johnny be good. Uh, We're down in Louisiana, close to New Orleans. We're back in the woods among the evergreens. <laughs> There's a virgin shack made of. There is a country shack made of virgin wood. We're in a country boy named Johnny be good. There you go. go. Go, Johnny, go. His mother's told him, someday you will be a man and you will be the leader of a big old band. Many people coming from miles around to hear you play your music when the sun goes down. Maybe someday your name will be in light, so Johnny, be good tonight. How am I doing? <laughs> really good. Tell you, if I knew philosophy and books and politics like this. Well, Speaking of books. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah. Speaking of books, you've got a, a new book out that's doing very, very well. True St. Nicholas Chris climbing Nicholas. the charts. Mm-hmm. What he means to Christmas. I, you know, I said on Fox, I said, if you want to take a break. From politics, read a good story. You can read it one night, two nights. Uh, it's a part of the story Christmas people don't know. This is the the gift giver, you know. And uh, it's, it's a great story. He's a bishop of the church uh, in uh, 300 A.D. and uh, did wonderful things and became a hero to children and lots of people. And uh, this is a story of how he changes through the ages, what people call him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in the 18th century in Holland, he's called Sinterklaas. St. Nicholas becomes Sinterklaas, and then from Sinterklaas, obviously, Santa Claus. And um, anyway, it's a, it's a very cool story. He was um, tortured in prison but, uh, under the Roman Empire. Uh, he was credited with lots of miracles. If you go online 
You can buy the manna of St. Nicholas, which is the oil that is supposed to have come out of his bones when <laughs> right. he died mm-hmm. 1,800 years ago. You can buy it for $3,000. That's a deal, if, if that's the case. I, I'm not recommending it. I didn't. But they can it. go online and pick up the book. They can go online and pick up the book, which is, you know, 18 bucks. If you're looking for a way to kind of detach yourself from the materialism yeah. of Christmas for just a second and spend stick time it, with your family. Stick it in the stocking, book, read, read it, it to the yeah. kids. The true St. Nicholas, mm-hmm. why he matters to Christmas. Yeah, no, I'm real pleased with it. It's moving up the charts and very grateful for nice. people. Also, uh, Fox Nation Fox starts Nation, uh, yes. next Tuesday, which is the uh, 27th. Yes. And every day I will be doing a, a reading from the American Patriots Almanac Nice. Um, about what happened that day in American history. There will also be footage from the Fox Film Library. And we'll also be continuing my show, Wise Guys, on Fox Nation. It's a very good show. Uh, I just did a taping with Mark Penn mm-hmm. and Byron York. Oh, we had and, Byron on there. Okay. By, you know, our, our guy. <laughs> and uh, and Molly Hemingway. Yes. And um, it was uh, – and Pat Buchanan. Oh, okay. It was a really interesting show. So uh, people could be looking for that on Fox Nation. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Here's Seth Leibson, host of The Seth Leibson Show. How's The Seth Leibson Show going? Oh, we're having a lot of fun. We're doing really well, Bill. Uh, you know, we modeled it after the show uh, you started back in 2004. Uh, candor, intelligence, goodwill as our uh, watchwords. And we're three to six uh, every afternoon in Phoenix. And uh, we're just having a great time. And people are really loving it. And it's a good time to do talk radio. It's a good right. time to do talk radio in Arizona given all the shifts going on here. And it's a good time to start talking again about what the modern conservative movement represents. Good, good, good. Well, we know you're a bunch involved in that movement as well as uh, as well as running your show. We are doing this show, uh, recording this show on, on Thanksgiving Eve, and we've already had a couple of fascinating Thanksgiving reports. We'd like to ask you your plans if you're willing to share them. Well, it's a bit of a shifting target, you know. Um, I am uh, well, privileged. You, to... we, we knew you would be. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Privileged. There'll be some football, probably. There'll be some. Oh, stop it! Some what do you mean? Nothing. What do you mean? There'll be some football. Well, there will be. Uh, you went to a game and you on... you texted me throughout <laughs> the game as to what to say. Yeah, well, yeah, I needed talking points from you. We've done talking points for each other uh, over the years, and uh, you gave me some great ones. I think you came within one or two points of being correct on your future guesses on uh, a lot of the outcomes of the games, the sports games that week. The sports games, yes, the sports games. Good. Did you enjoy the game? This was what, Arizona State against uh... – yeah, we beat Utah. We weren't expected to. We did, we, and we uh, we had a great time. We. Yeah, the Devils, yeah. the Sun Devils. Yeah, see, see, uh, John, my son, has a girlfriend now, and she has now been indoctrinated, I mean, initiated. She's, she said, come over Saturdays. What are we going to do? He said, we're going to watch 12 games. So she's now trying to act as if she knows what's going on. So she says, and John makes fun of her. And it reminds me of you. She says, oh, she looks at the, at the TV and says, oh, I think we may have something going here. I think we may have something going here. That's for if I can tell it, just a, a private story about your family. One of the best things, one of the best entertainments is to observe you and your son on a day of sports games where you fight over the remote control. 
Yeah. Uh, and yeah. A, a, a typical criticism of you, your number one son, will be, why are you fixated on the most uninteresting yeah. of the games flip. available? Yeah, flip. Flip to the other yeah. one. Yeah, no, yeah. we usually have three or four we're flipping among. Uh, okay, <laughs> I, like, inter- I interrupted Johnson you. Johnson with the TVs in the White House. <laughs> I, I know. I interrupted you. I interrupted you about Thanksgiving. There'll be some football. What Will there be some turkey? Uh, yeah, there'll be turkey, uh, there'll be stuffing, and of course there will be the ritual reading of Mrs. Bennett's Dining Rules, uh, will which be. we do both on air and I carry to each house who um, uh, has been uh, nice enough to share their bounty with me. Uh, do you have a copy of those rules? I do. Can you, I'll send them to you. Can you email them to us? Because I just realized I left it out of the show today, and I'm going to put it right back. Yeah, in. no no problem. I pull them right off your website, uh, so I'll do that. And I'll uh, <laughs> okay. email them right yeah. over to you. <laughs> An embarrassment to both of us, Claude. An embarrassment to both of us. Sure. Okay. All right, then. All right, well, we had an interesting— Is that, is that okay? Can I say that? Yeah, it's perfectly <laughs> great. All right, so I told people about mine and Claude's. I mean, just to— we have an interesting one, uh, Seth. We have eight people, Mrs. Yeah. Bennett and I and her rules, uh, John and Joe, our sons. They're girlfriends. And are you ready for this? The parents of one of the girlfriends. Oh, my gosh. Um, movies have been made about such things. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Guess who's coming to dinner sort of thing. Yeah. Or meet the parents. Yeah. Meet the, par- meet the parents. Sure. Yeah. yeah. We could Fa- do this decade. Father uh-huh. of the bride. Yeah. Father of the groom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> But uh, Claude... guess who's coming to dinner? By the way, guess who's coming to dinner? I just rewatched recently with Sidney Poitier, yeah. Spencer Tracy, yeah. Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. What a great movie! It's a great movie, and a movie that could not be made today. It you makes can't. so much fun of liberal attitudes. No, that's right, absolutely. So what a great movie! Uh, Claude, yeah. Claude will tell you briefly about his Thanksgiving, but you may remember what it is, and it hasn't changed. Go ahead, Claude. Oh, it's the typical Jennings Beltway uh, Thanksgiving. We'll we'll stop at exit 22 first for mother-in-law, and then we'll go down to exit 5 for sister, back up to exit 16 for mother, and then uh, exit 20 for uh, my aunt. Nice. Four yeah. Thanksgivings. Yes. Excellent. He brings empty plates and styrofoam, empty styrofoam box. Correct. We eat we eat each lo- at each location, but we also have to leave with a plate from each location. But we what have the, we have uh, what is the best bill of fare? What is the best thing on the bill of fare, Mr. Jeff? Uh it it varies from different house. Uh my sister's house is the macaroni and cheese. Mother in law's yep. house is the string beans. My mm-hmm. mother's house is the ham. Aunt's house, mm-hmm. it's uh gosh, it's the potato salad. Yeah. Haven't heard anything Thanksgiving yet. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, macaroni and cheese, it's like a I don't know, man. Macaroni and cheese, it's a staple. From Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. You see, life goes on here, Seth. You know, anyway. Yeah, but if you took one of each of those dishes, you notice you would have a full one complete meal. Yeah, you would. I, I bet you could load up on the mac and cheese. Anyway, we had a guest on before you. You know Carl Cannon? Yes. We had Carl on. We asked him his Thanksgiving plans, and we think this is pretty original. He said, uh, I'll spend the morning at the track. <laughs> I like that. Well, I do too. Um, there is a there is a casino trip involved in mine. Well, let me t- uh, let me t- let me finish with Carl. He, to the Native said, Americans. Are you go, are you going to a Native, Native American casino? Well, yeah. I mean, it's part of the Thanksgiving thing, isn't it? Didn't we do this uh, in the 1600s at Plymouth Rock? Yes. Oh, I see. It's like a reenactment of Plymouth Rock, except at a casino in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You'll bring a exactly. goose or something. Okay. Well, did did you see what the first uh, menu was for the first Thanksgiving? Uh, it's a huge, quite a, huge. 
it's really interesting. So evidently, lobster and clams, which, yeah. which were deemed at the time the food of the uh, yeah. the food of the commoner, kind mm-hmm. of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Carl goes to the track. <laughs> you couldn't have less. Okay. Morning, it's, it's hilarious. Is he is the Washington editor, as you know, of Real Code Politics. They do a great job. Yeah. And uh, goes to the track, and I said, any special reason for going on Thanksgiving Day? And there was a pause, and he said, well, they serve free pie. Mince or, oh. or pecan or pumpkin. Interesting. On Thanksgiving. And what it, yeah, okay. okay. Well, that's a good reason. I think mine's a little more traditional, but okay. This is a little more selfish. I'm that's feeling fine. left out. You're going to casino. He's going to the track. I'm not doing any of that stuff. But anyway, that's fine. Uh, let's, talk some, let's talk some issues, okay? Sure. You bet. Um, one of the things Carl was upset about, and he was very good and very good on, on Donald Trump and defended Trump, the, uh, these, these attacks on the president because of the Presidential Medal of Freedom, you know, some people said his giving the Presidential Medal of Freedom posthumously to Elvis was a was a, was a dog whistle, you know, a, a racial dog. He, he said that just tells you. To who? To who? Yeah, yeah, to whom? To whom, right. But anyway, but then I said, what about Kosogi? And he said, I'm not sure Trump will recover from that. Now, Carl's a journalist, and we, we argued a bit about it. But uh, this Kasogi thing is kind of consuming Washington uh, and the media. What's your what's your take on it? Not not consuming anyone outside of Washington. Nothing to recover from. Uh, Khashoggi's death is certainly horrible and tragic. Uh, those of us who have been following Middle Eastern politics, policies, and foreign policy for a long time. Uh, know what Saudi Arabia is. We know well what Saudi Arabia is. You and I certainly have nothing to apologize for. We wrote a book uh, condemning it as a sewer country. Look, you have you have a non-American citizen uh, who is not really a journalist. He was a lobbyist uh, for a part of the Saudi family who was killed in a palace intrigue, again, horribly and unjustifiably. But we're not going to rework all of the entire U.S. national security, economic, and foreign policy uh, when it's important to have it poised against the greatest threat to civilization and the greatest uh, sponsoring state of terrorism, which is Iran. We're just not going to do that. Um, Trump won't recover, I think, is probably um, a great misstatement. There's nothing to recover from. It's a perfectly justifiable position. Well, here's it's a journalist. I, I, I also said, I, you know, this is not to be not to be insensitive because I agree with you. It's a horrible, gruesome thing. And, you know, what a, just just horrible should be condemned what they did. But but um, I, I also said it was kind of a privileged death. I mean, that the journalist's death gets so much more attention. Uh, I understand the journalistic community, one of their own. But what about kids in Syria? What about U.S. soldiers killed by all these Iranians? Um do I have a point? Well, there? that's a really important point. That's a great point. Uh, how many thousands of soldiers have been killed? soldiers by, by uh, outposts of the Iranian regime, again, we're not going to turn around our entire U.S. foreign national security and economic policy over this. Um, said the other day something that I thought was really smart. Uh, we have been in a lot of wars in this country uh, and in our history and in this and a lot of battles. And we have allied with far worse regimes than Saudi Arabia to take on, deal with, and put us under even worse regimes. Uh, this is a very traditional thing uh, in our history. And as far as, um, again, Donald Trump not being able to recover, I can tell you, I've not received one call on this. 
I can tell you, I don't think anyone outside of okay. Washington yeah. is thinking much about this. That's interesting. Really interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, good. Uh, an, an, enough. Said. I could walk, you know, Cam- I could walk up and down Camelback today, Camelback Avenue in Phoenix, and ask any passerby who uh, who Khashoggi is, and I will tell you, I would get a blank stare. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Um, listen, um, let's talk about Massachusetts for a minute. I was on there last night and I said, uh, you know, they're gonna, people going to invest in marijuana. It's their opening. They were happy to celebrate the opening, their first, quote, recreational marijuana um, uh, facility. And uh, they're celebrating people going to make a lot of money. I said they may want to invest in drug treatment centers, too, because they're going to have, have a lot more of those because of the accessibility of, and now the permission uh, to use this marijuana. You know if they have any restrictions on the THC content of the marijuana they're selling? No. No, I doubt no. it. Yeah. No, and uh, I have made a practice of when I go to Colorado or states uh, with recreational marijuana facilities to try and get into to a store, to a, to a, to a dispensary, just to see for myself what those TH levels are. And it is, as you mentioned, as you imply, a totally different drug than it was known in the 80s. Uh, yeah, you see uh, uh, potencies in the 25, 30, 35% uh, range. When I was in high school, I'm 49. When I was in high school, you couldn't get anything stronger than 5%. As I say, it's a totally different drug. But this idea that it's recreational is perhaps one of the biggest um, health policy jokes uh, and dangers uh, this country, I think, will face um, in about a decade. I don't think they get the joke yet. For, for the last 15 years, we've been told marijuana is medicine uh, and can cure more things than aspirin, everything from depression to PTSD to um, you name it, uh, that it's uh, actually an important psychotropic drug. Uh, now we're told that it should be used for recreational purposes. There's not a drug on the face of this earth, whether it's aspirin or Adderall or Xanax or Zantac, that we say should be used for recreational purposes. What kind of a message are we sending here that we take something arguably medicinal and very potently medicinal, things that you know actually affect the brain, PTSD, depression, um, seizures, and we now recreate with it. This this is a danger we are unleashing on this country that in about a decade we're going to look back on and say, what the hell did we do here? Yeah, and at the same time, we're tearing our hair out about uh, an opioid crisis. Um, you know, people dying from uh, drugs, and yet the main way in for most people to other drugs is uh, first through the drug called marijuana. Yes. I chair an organization here in town, a statewide prevention organization called Not My Kid. One of the things we do, it's not our main project, it just happens to be an ancillary thing. Uh, We hire people in recovery um, because they go out and often tell their stories and do peer-to-peer leadership. Uh, Almost, I think, every one of them, if not every single one of them, will tell you their first drug before they got into other stuff was marijuana. You betcha. This is is the untold story. You want to talk about vectors. You want to talk about things leading up to harder drugs. The entry is always marijuana, almost always. Not not, uh, prescription abuse. No, prescription abuse is a problem, uh, as you well know. Um, but I, I also worry about the fact that we put an undue focus on prescription abuse. We need to talk about it. We need to instruct about it. We need to have public service campaign ads on it. 
we need to regulate the medical and prescribing community and pharmaceutical community a, a, a lot more and a lot better. But most of the opioid overdose deaths, most, are not from legitimate prescriptions. They are actually from fake fentanyl, yeah. fake fentanyl, illegal yeah. stuff made yeah. in other countries. Yeah. And people, most people who do that started with marijuana. Yeah, absolutely. They've started with marijuana. They um, almost always use it in concert with something else, whether it's a benzodiazepine or alcohol. There's usually a multiplicity of factors involved in those overdoses. Um, and what has bothered me for so long now is that we're now losing close to 70,000 Americans a year to drug overdose, about 50,000 a year coming from opioids. There is there is no ad campaign on this. There is no nation, nationwide prevention campaign yeah. like we used to yeah. do in the past, and as we know, will work. This is a crisis bill, to put it in perspective. This is a crisis that's got a death toll, whose death toll has outnumbered the AIDS and HIV crisis at its worst, at its worst. And we remember how the country focused on that. And each year... Um... The number is uh, greater than all of the lives lost in Vietnam. Absolutely right. So if you go to the Vietnam War Memorial, uh, you'll see a tragic number of some 58,000 lives that took about 15 years to amass. Think about that. 15 years to get to those 58,000 lives. Well, we're beating that every year with drug overdoses. Every single year we could build more than a Vietnam Memorial Wall. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. I was noticing that uh, the Attorney General of Florida, Pam, Pam Bondi, is going to mm-hmm. bring a lawsuit against CVS or some of the other drugstores because of the prescription sure. overdose stuff. Couldn't sure. somebody bring a, a lawsuit against uh, marijuana dispensaries in, in Massachusetts? They're in violation of federal law. Well, yeah. So this was actually one of the good things that Jeff Sessions as attorney general was focused on. Uh, It's an interesting problem that marijuana has created and the quest to legalize it, whether for medicinal or recreational purposes. It has set up a, a, a very strong conflict between state and federal law because you have this drug that is illegal under federal law that uh, states are now experimenting with and playing with. It's as if um, states wanted to abolish um, the income tax. You you cannot do this. And there are several U.S. attorneys who care about this and have uh, tried to bring prosecutions. Uh, They were stymied under the Obama administration. Jeff Sessions freed their hand, um, but they have been slow to move on it. And I think that um, it's going to take a strong U.S. Attorney General and a strong president to start waking up to this problem. Well, Lincoln said public opinion is everything. And at the moment, it's not with us on this issue, you know. Um, I got got a lot of nice comments on my Fox appearance last night, but almost entirely negative on uh, what I had to say about drugs. But it will shift, Bill. Um, Of course it will shift. I think they'll they'll change their mind. Like I said, I think they're starting to have real regrets in Colorado. We know more about the dangers of marijuana today than we knew about the dangers of cigarettes in the 1960s. Great point. Mm -hmm. And I think the catching up of the policy and sociology of this to the science of it is going to take a little bit of time. 
But after a while, I give it about five to ten years. I yeah. think people, as I say, are going to look yeah, back I agree. Um, like they did with cigarettes and say, yeah. what, were, what we were we thinking? What were we thinking? You I bet. agree, absolutely. I, I want to just uh, end by telling the audience, you know, you're, you run the group, uh, not my kid, but and you also were very instrumental in leading Arizona to defeat legalization of drugs in uh, in the state. And one of the few states that didn't allow it. Was it the only state that year? That, that yeah, we were the only state yeah. that uh, did it. We did it with a lot of help, yours included. The governor was crucial, Doug Ducey, one of his great uh, moments as well. Uh, took a big effort, but yeah, we, yeah, we, we sent you. them packing. Good for you. It can be done. All right, well, we will try to move public opinion. And Seth, thank you very much, and have a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, and say hello to the Native Americans at uh, your version of Plymouth Rock, okay? Well, God bless you and uh, the Bennett family and the Jennings family. Thank you for all you do, Bill. Thank you. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. All right. So every year, everyone looks forward to hearing the table manor rules uh, (laughs) as uh, presented by Mrs. Bennett. Uh, And so it's Thanksgiving and we want to hear those rules again. We've been getting emails about them. Folks are saying, hey, you still going to do the table manor? We're like, yes, we are. (laughs) And so Mrs. Bennett, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And uh, it's my pleasure and my honor to be invited on the podcast. (laughs) Well, this began, let's see, probably five or six years ago Mm -hmm. when I realized I needed to crack down <laughs> that things had to get better uh-huh. fast right and we were having a big thanksgiving dinner and um i was starting to think that i may have failed as a mother in etiquette so i made a list and it has about 12 rules on it that i think are, are pretty vital for nice behavior at special occasions, and Thanksgiving mm-hmm. is one of the most special. Absolutely. So, number one, napkin in the lap first. Mm-hmm. Before we can do anything, take our napkin out from under the fork and put it in your lap. Number two, remember to drink from the glass or the glasses to the right over the knife. Oh. Mo- always take your glass. The glass that is yours is to your right and there may be a lot of them, mm-hmm. but you start at the right and look. Do not look to the left. Then your bread and butter plate or your salad plate, sometimes you just have a salad plate, mm-hmm. will be to the left over the fork. And one of my students taught me this little memory game that his mother told him. The code is BMW. All right. Bread, meal, water. Wow. Bread, mm-hmm. reading left to right. Meal in the middle, water on the right side over your knife. It's a great little phrase. Now, the young men and young women, my program, get it. Best friends Mm -hmm. and best Best men, they all got this down. (laughs) My children, on the other hand, are still struggling with it, and they're millennials. Okay. Number four, no talking with your mouth full. Okay. That's a big one. Big Mm -hmm. one. No one can hear you clearly. Not a nice thing to do. food is spraying all over the place. I had an incident at a gala two weeks ago that Mm -hmm. there was a gentleman at my table sitting next to me who was Mm -hmm. talking with his mouth full. Mm -hmm. There were particles of food that ended up in my water glass. I needed new water. Now that is really disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And that is a no-no. Yes. And that can happen. And and it's wonderful to laugh at the dinner table, but obviously, if you have food in your mouth, you must pick up your napkin and cover your mouth. Right. Number five, try very hard not to spill your food on the table and up the front of your shirt and especially <laughs> on your tie. 
<laughs> I feel as if this may be directed towards someone I well, work with. It is. <laughs> My boys are genetically predisposed to this because their father mm-hmm. and their uncle have a real issue with their Keep, ties. Yeah, keeping the tie clean. Keeping the tie clean I've and seen clawed. This I think you have. I've seen this in person, and mm-hmm. I don't think I've I've had a meal with Dr. Bennett without some of it spilling on a tie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He'd like to claim it as a disability, but I'm not buying it. <laughs> Number six, wait until the lady of the house is seated and has raised her fork. Ah, uh, see, that's just a, a matter of respect at that point. Well, I mean, she's it been, is. The lady of the house has worked very hard all day and possibly two or three days prior. So we wait until the lady of the house takes her seat and raises her fork to Mm -hmm. begin eating. Number seven, wait, especially at significant meals for a prayer of blessing for the food. Number eight, and this is a biggie, do not blow your nose at the table. Oh, okay. Right. Never. Mm-hmm. Working on that one <laughs> with the Bennett boys. Excuse yourself mm-hmm. and blow your nose in the next room right. where okay. no one can hear you. Got it. Got it. Number nine, do not place the wine bottle on the floor by your chair <laughs> so that you can easily refill it and right. um, then no one else <laughs> has access exactly. to that particular wine bottle. Mm-hmm. That is a big no-no. Okay. Number 10, do not ever punctuate your sentences in any way with your silverware. Now, I have to say, I've watched millennials carefully in this, and somehow many of them have missed that. <laughs> I have seen the knife being mm-hmm. swirled around. I have seen the fork being pointed, and being pointed, almost like, you know, a, a saber. <laughs> Uh, not appropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number 11, always, always personally thank the hostess and tell her the food was delicious. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's especially important if you have left enough food on the floor under your chair for the family dog's next meal. <laughs> I have had that happen. I mm-hmm. have. Then I see, you know, the um, excess food on the floor. And then I'm thinking, did this person ever even thank me for dinner? <laughs> Sonny boy thanked me. Oh, I'm sure. But I'm did sure. this person thank me? There it is. And then number 12, and this is probably the most important of all. If you want your mother to go to her grave with a peaceful heart, (laughs) offer to clear the table, take out the garbage, Mm -hmm. and always, always follow up with a handwritten thank you note, not an email. Oh, so no email, no text messages, handwritten thank you note. And it's probably important, too, to listen to this and be proactive. Like, it's one thing to clear the table and take the trash out when you're asked. But if you Mm -hmm. do it without being asked, I mean, that's... That is lovely. Right. That is truly a gracious thing to do. I'll make sure I do that. If you stand up, take your plate, say, uh, where would you like me to put this? Mm -hmm. Not, would you like me to clear? Where would you like me to put this? Because, of course, she would like you to clear the table. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She would like you to do something, help out in in whichever way you can. Right. Got it. Okay. Exactly. And if you absolutely cannot get a thank you note out within three to four days, a quick text Mm -hmm. saying, thank you, it was lovely, I will allow, but only if it's followed up with a handwritten note. Okay. Well, there you go. I have on file all the handwritten notes Mm -hmm. I've received from young people over the years 
I love them. I go back and look at them. And those young people who sent me a handwritten thank you note, I will do just about anything for. <laughs> <laughs> right. There you go. And I hate to say the file that I have has become a little thin in the last few years. Oh, okay. They're not writing them in you. Okay. As emails okay. and texts have mm-hmm. taken over. Oh, well, there you go. But I will guarantee any young person or old person or middle-aged person mm-hmm. who follows these rules will always be invited back. And we'll make sure we post that on the Facebook page and on the website. And one other thing, uh, so we were talking earlier about the, the practice turkey and the presentation <laughs> turkey. <laughs> right. Kind of go through the practice turkey. Well, the practice turkey is actually my gravy turkey because I want to have a lot of gravy. And in order to do that, you often have to have two turkeys. One turkey may not yield enough for 10 to 12 to 15. If you have 20 okay, people, you right. absolutely. So Bill has ca- is, has been calling in my practice turkey, but it's also the turkey that you can have for extra Correct. Later for sandwiches. Right. But he oftentimes tries to mm-hmm. consume Sneak the turkey. Mm-hmm. Before prior. Yeah. He's, he <laughs> thinks the practice turkey is his turkey. Right. It is not. <laughs> so we're work, we've worked hard to hide the practice turkey, right. <laughs> wrap up the practice turkey, mm-hmm. because he will get his fair share and more on Thanksgiving Day. Right. Well, it's not Thanksgiving on the Bill Bennett Show without having you on, Mrs. Bennett. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, Claude, it was my honor, and I know you know these rules because I know you're a mother, and you have wonderful manners. And Claude, I have had many a dinner with you, and I just want to say you have followed these rules perfectly, and I know it's because of your dear mother. She has my utmost regard and respect respect and I want to wish the Jennings family a beautiful and happy Thanksgiving and every family out in the wonderful uh, US of A, especially those families who listen to the Bill Bennett podcast. You're listening to the Bill Bennett Show. Bill Bennett Show. That does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to BillBennettShow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. We're going to do some emails next week, Claude. Let's do some emails. It's BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. We'll catch up next week. We're definitely going to read some emails. So if you got something to say about the show or about any of these issues, drop us a line at BillBennettPodcast uh, at gmail.com. Uh, oh, That's it. Say it again. Bill Bennett Podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.